Alrighty, everyone. Welcome to the Canine Performance Podcast. I'm going to be your host, Natalie Dobkins. And today I want to give a brief overview of a little background information on myself. And then I'm going to be covering the five pillars of dog training. The five pillars of dog training is what I consider the crucial parts of if you want to teach your dog, you need these five things. So today I'm only going to be discussing timing and then we will go on through there. But to give you an overview, the five pillars are timing, motivation, clear communication, consistency, and leadership and relationship. And all of these things are interdependent upon each other. So it doesn't really matter which one I discuss first. So to kind of give a little background on myself, um, I originally came from North Idaho. So any of you guys listening, be sure to reach out to me and be like, hey, I am from North Idaho as well. I moved to North Carolina in the uh, beginning of 2016, and I've been here ever since. I've always had an interest in dogs. I've had a natural talent with training them. And I believe it was a little over two years ago at this point that I took a bigger interest in learning about dogs. Um, We have two dogs. Aurora is a Siberian Husky and Atlas is a German Shepherd Husky mix. They're really big dogs. Being a small person myself, I really needed to be able to control them and communicate with them while out on walks. Aurora had been attacked a couple times by some dogs and Atlas had actually been lost in the woods overnight. And so it was something that we knew we needed to make a change in our lives. And just from there, just spiraled what was an interest turned into a passion and is now a business. So here we are. It's been officially about one month since we started um, and it's been really great. And so now I'm just going to hop right on in into the first pillar for timing and give some more information in regards to that. Maybe you should introduce them to the co-host. Oh, Mike. Well, it'll be weird if I just... So I was planning to to basically just ask questions, but I just realized that if someone was listening to this and they heard that first part, and then I just randomly started talking like I did, it'd be really awkward. (laughs) It would be really awkward, and that's my bad. Because I thought I was happen- going to be now it's talking happened, so about it's the happened. Pillars. But with that being said, so my co-host is Matt Hubble, my significant other, and also my business partner, who has helped me a tremendous amount. Canine Performance would not be what it is without him. He does a lot of the business development, a lot of the content creation behind this account. Um, make sure that it's. Uh, moving smoothly so he's going to be asking a couple of different questions as well yeah my job and i'm not a dog trainer but my job is to ask natalie the questions that um someone that might not understand dog training at a high level um what they might ask so i'm here to basically be the the quote-unquote consumer the the average day joe or matt that uh doesn't know much about dog training so with that being said you know it'd be great for you to maybe give us an overview of what timing means in relation to dog training and maybe why it's so important. Yeah. Excellent question. So timing in dog training is really crucial. It can oftentimes be frustrating um, for someone who's not used to training their dogs, just the average pet owner. 
Um, why it's important is because dogs have a very, very small window in which they can correlate their behavior or their actions and if it's good or if it's bad. Um, and that time frame is going to be 1.3 seconds. So if you don't have a clear communication system of rewarding or correcting that behavior, then the dog cannot correlate if that behavior was good or bad. Okay. And now I remember I used to not even believe this, but how long is that time window that you actually have? Yeah. So what I just said, it has that 1.3 second time window. Was I distracted by Instagram? You were distracted by Instagram. I see. This is our first go at this. And and that's my belief is that podcasting is a very fluid kind of behind the scenes thing because um, it's longer format. Usually, you know, there's more information. It's more like a regular conversation. So um, with that being said, you know, how can some people start implementing timing at home and why, why is that the first pillar or why would you say that that's the first pillar of the dog training? So all the pillars are interconnected upon each other. So it doesn't necessarily matter how I go about introducing them, but I do like to introduce timing as the first pillar because I think it's one of the easier ones to understand that lends the most success in training. So if you are just a normal dog owner and you're looking to start training with your dog, how to start perfecting your timing is I would get their motivational reward, which is typically going to be food and a clicker. The reason why I really like using a clicker for any of the any of you out there that haven't used one is because the clicker is an instant sound and the sound is always going to be the same. And so, and I also like to think of it as when you click it, it's almost like a snapshot. Dogs are very visual. They take in the whole picture. So their environment around them, um, their body position in relation to you, how you're standing. And so when you use a clicker, it's very instantaneous for those 1.3 seconds and they're able to also take a snapshot. And so whatever that snapshot is, they can understand what behavior they just did if it was correct or incorrect. Okay. So what are maybe, what's an example of a good drill for someone at home that uh, wants to start implementing some more conscientious timing into training their dog? Excellent. Yes. So If you're looking to start doing this, I would recommend taking their food that they would normally eat in a bowl. This is called existential feeding. And I would take that and I would engage with the dog. So if they sit, then I would click and then I would give them a reward. And then if they look at you because they're focusing on you, I would click and then give a reward. So asking them to do behaviors that they already know. And then building up so that way they understand what that clicker means. Mm-hmm. And when someone implements timing into their dog's life, uh, what can they expect to see in some of the daily types of interactions that they have? You know, things like feeding and walking and going in and out of a crate if they're using, which <clears throat> they should be using a crate, right? So, <laughs> they should um, definitely be. Ha- you know, what's the carryover and application of timing into day-to-day life with someone's dog? Yeah, definitely. So besides training, where you have those 1.3 seconds, you can also use timing as Matt's springing up when it comes to feeding or doors or the crate, um, something called impulse control. So not just those 1.3 seconds of trying to teach them a new behavior, but also teaching them house manners. So for example, 
when they're in their crate and you go to open the door, having them sit and wait calmly with the door open and asking them to wait until you release them. Having that brief amount of time that they need to be patient and looking to you to be released. It, like I just said, it establishes impulse control. Impulse control is where dogs have self-control. Dogs live in the moment. Um, they don't think really about the future or about the past. They want to do whatever benefits them the most in that moment. And typically that's going to be movement of some sort. So asking them to have to control those impulses not only that, but it also establishes leadership when the dog has to look to you um, to do whatever it is that they want to do. If you're controlling the resources or in this instance, controlling the environment, it establishes more of a leadership role, which is what you want to be to your dog. So if I'm understanding this correctly, timing is important because it has a downstream effect on the rest of all of the other training principles. You know, apparently, you know, you can't be a leader unless you know how to properly time and instruct the type of commands that you're, you're giving your dog. Is that yes. what you're telling me? Absolutely. Yeah. All that these different sense. things can have benefits on a very vertical level with your dog. If you start practicing timing in one area, you'll see that I like what you had just said, a downstream effect. It'll have a downstream effect in all the other areas of your dog's life. Okay, cool. Well, I, I kind of want to take this a, a different direction um, and kind of, ask about why this is so important in, or, or why it's so important to train your dog. You know, like I'm sure that, and I'm, I imagine there's not a lot of people listening to this particular podcast, but there's certainly people out there that don't find it super important to have their dog trained. And one thing I hear a lot is that, oh, my dog's already obedient or they're pretty chill or this or that, you know, why is that maybe not the best mentality to have towards dog training, because I know before you and I knew more about dog training, we had a similar kind of philosophy of, oh, well, it's fine. They're not that bad. Yeah. Why is that not a good mentality to have when it comes to thinking about your dog or your pet or, you know? Yeah. That's actually a really difficult question because for some behavior, some people don't care about certain aspects. But for me, why I find it very critical and important for everyone to have some level of training with their dog is more for the dog's benefit. They are natural born problem solvers. They need a leader in their life for them to function in the happiest and healthy way. They need mental stimulation, which learning new commands, um, having their mental capabilities be put to the test is something that helps them a tremendous amount. And not only that, but in conversations I've had with other people and even what you had just said, you said that before I had gotten into dog training, our dogs were not that bad. So it is behaviors that they're manageable, but there's still something that is making a negative impact on your life. Your quality of living is not at its peak of where it could be. And I hear that a lot of people that call me and they're like, hey, I watched your video and I realized that, oh, I don't have to be walked by my dog. I can have an enjoyable life with my dog. Or when we go to put on the leash, it doesn't have to be a five-minute battle. Um, so for the dog's benefit, but then also for your own quality of life, it's crazy how much just even a loose leash walk and a calm dog can make a tremendous impact in the quality of your life. I've noticed since 
learning more about dog training myself that it's very similar to things like working out, personal training, taking care of your own health. You know, there are things where there is no quick fix. You know, the work is the way to develop a good relationship with your dog and to have a well-behaved dog. It takes that consistent, repetitive grit and effort to really make noticeable changes. And in that work, it doesn't only benefit the dog, but it benefits you as an owner or as a trainer, as a handler, um, because you're able to really develop um, the skills that you need to properly communicate and it can give you a level of awareness that can have a carryover into other aspects of your life. Just the same way developing good eating habits and working out at the gym can lead to success in a lot of other areas to life. And so that's one thing that I thought was really cool um, as you know, we've done more dog training together and as I've watched you do dog training. But with that being said, uh, I know on Instagram we have a few questions coming in earlier. I want to go back up to the top because someone had asked, this is from Nick underscore Holmes 102. Can I use a prong collar on a five-month-old puppy? Yeah, absolutely. Um, For me, my minimum age for using uh, what you could call adversive tools, any sort of like training tools besides a clicker and like food motivation and a basic collar and a leash um, would be at 18 weeks, depending on the dog, potentially 16, but you absolutely can. I would say just like any other tool, just ensure that you are using it properly and correctly. So with a prong, making sure that it's fitted correctly, it's up nice and high behind the ears and you understand that how you can use it as communication or how you can use it as a correction because there is a big difference in between those two things when using these sorts of training tools. But to answer your question, yes, you absolutely can. Okay, so from, from Neo the Freckled Pity, as I walk over to his crate, Neo does a circle and sometimes pause at the door. I usually say no and make him lie down before opening the crate door and making sure he settles before letting him out. To fix the circling, should I make him lie down before walking to the crate? Well, my question to you would be, what about the circling do you not like? Is Would you like for him to be laying down? Because then, yes, that would that would be the case. If you're starting to walk by his crate and you see that he's getting up and he's about to do circling, then put him in a down command and ask him to do that. Um, but if he's starting to pot the crate, he's trying to demand your attention, demand getting out of the crate. Um, and for me, before I start approaching the crate that my dogs start to get excited that they're going to be let out, asking them to go into that down command. Awesome. What age would you start a structured walk from Chloe.gsd.cora? Excellent question. Um, it depends on how you say a structured walk. So I'll give my definition and hopefully that will answer your question. So a structured walk for me is that there is no sniffing, there's no pee marking, there's no pooing, no lunging, no barking. The dog is on the left side of you and they're not going forward, they're not going back, they're not going all the way to the left of you. And so for really young dogs, like, you know, in between four months or so, pretty much up until you can start using adversive tools or just training tools, I would say that having like, a loosely created structured walk is okay. But then having that really high, just like you are right here and this is where I want you to be for the walk at around 16 to 18 weeks or so. Awesome. Well, 
Um, I think that wraps up all of the questions that we had submitted on Instagram Live. So hopefully you guys had your questions answered there. Um, I wanted to kind of turn it over to Natalie to sign us off on the first official Canine Performance Podcast. I would love your guys' feedback. So maybe when you sign us off, let us know where we can find you, where we can keep up with you. And if we're interested in having our dog trained, um, you know, where they can kind of go about doing that. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you, Matt. Well, thanks everyone for tuning into our very first podcast and all of you guys here in the live stream asking all of your questions. I love getting questions. So make sure to stay tuned for additional podcasts or live streams. You can find us on Instagram, canine underscore performance. You can find us on Facebook, canine performance on YouTube, Natalie Dobkins. Um, on TikTok, you can find us at train your dog, I believe, which we just created today and then our podcast you can find us i'm actually not sure where you can find our podcast yeah the podcast name is going to be titled um canine performance podcast so you'll be able to find that on apple music spotify stitcher and all the other podcasting platforms that exist out there and um, currently we're watching aurora squirm about on the floor so if you have a dog that likes to rub their face on the carpet then you know exactly what we're looking at but with that being said, I want to thank you guys again for tuning into the first official Canine Performance podcast. Um, we're going to obviously try to continue improving these and making sure that they're bringing value. And uh, we're very creative people. So if you have any interesting ideas, some of the things that you can look forward to on this podcast is obviously information similar to what we did today, interviews with other industry leaders and people in the space. And um, things related to biz the business of dog training, you know, we haven't been in this industry very long, but Natalie and I have had, a, had experience in other businesses starting and operating a variety of different businesses. And we want to be able to bring value to the other trainers, independent contractors and dog trainers in general out there that are looking to take their dog training business to the next level, because we certainly have a few things up our sleeve that are working really well. Uh, thanks again for everyone on Instagram Live and from Matt and Natalie. Thank you so much. And Atlas and Aurora. Which are right below us. So thanks, you guys. And tune in for podcast number two.